to the Insomniac Show with Nicolette and Brian. We'll get real deep with you, educating, inspiring, and solving problems with some of the most inspirational humans on the planet. Buckle up and come on the journey. I'm excited. All right, guys. I'm Nicolette, and today Brian and I are here with our special guest, Tori Belici. If you don't know him from Mythbusters, he is a presenter, a host. He's uh, got a new show, The Great Escapist on Amazon, and we are going to talk about uh, that and blowing some stuff up, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have some fun today. So <laughs> thank you so much for joining us today, Tori. We yeah. Appreciate Thanks for having me on. Good to see you guys. Good to see you, too. So I want to kick off. Um, I, I want to kick off by going back, right? Because I read something that was really interesting about you, about your childhood and uh, mm-hmm. your interests, right? And um, that interest in, you know, special effects and and blowing things up, right? And, That's what he's asking. Blowing <laughs> stuff up, right? So, you know, and there was an interesting story I read about uh, about that. If you know, um, and you kind of got in a little trouble when you were younger, right? And and that kicked off, but you like blowing stuff up, right? I want to talk about that. What was that desire like as a child? You know, it, it, I kind of, I guess it stemmed from, you know, just being a kid lighting firecrackers. I mean, my, my dad was a, a bigger pyro than I was. And uh, as we got older, it was like, it went from firecrackers to M80s and then eventually to pipe bombs, which is a, a felony to make pipe bombs, by the way. I didn't know that when I was a kid. Uh, <laughs> And so, um, so yeah, so it was this one summer and we had just kept ramping up, you know, we were taking, uh, legal fireworks and turning them into illegal fireworks. Mm-hmm. Um, we live, you know, I lived in California and so it was like, everything was illegal. Like all the good fireworks that you get in the, <laughs> yeah. in the other parts, you know, the other States, we, we didn't have access to those. It's like, so, let's just make them right now. <laughs> exactly. We, we would, we would take, we would take fireworks that were, you know, the normal safe and sane ones and then figure out ways to make them more dangerous. And so, uh, so me and my buddies, we, we made pipe bombs and we were like setting them off, you know, all week. And then finally our neighbor just was fed up and called the cops. (laughs) So we got out of there. The cops, my parents were like camping. They were like on a camping trip. So that's why we were able to do all the stupid stuff and not get caught. And then, so we bailed, we were hiding out and the cops were looking for us. And then it wasn't until the next day um, when my parents came back into town and, and like I spent the night at my friend's house, I was just like hiding out that the chief <laughs> of police came to our house with a bunch of uh, fragmentations of the pipe that had flown over <laughs> the house into the neighbor's yard. Oh. And, and, uh, and he sat me down and he was like, okay, like, you know, I could take you in right now. Like, this is a felony. You could be tried for, for this. Uh, and, um, he thought, but I talked to your neighbors, I talked to your teachers. Um, and they all said, you want to do special effects. So you, you know, I, I get it. You're not a bad kid. You're just, you want to do pyro, but this is not how you do it. And, <laughs> and he says, if I ever hear another noise out of this neighborhood, I'm going to come and arrest you. And so now flash forward, you know, five, six years later, um, Oh, maybe longer, 10 years later, 10 years later. And, you know, I'm working in the film industry and then I get you know, hired on Mythbusters. And whenever I would go home for the holidays, I would run into him just randomly. You know, he, he, he was in the neighborhood <laughs> and he was like, oh, my gosh, look at you now. Now you're getting paid to blow stuff up. So, 
it was a very he he played a very important role in my life. Right. And and the neighbors aren't calling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, that, and so I wanted to ask you, because this is not uncommon, you know, Brian and I was talking about this. I mean, plenty yeah. of, I mean, I hate, to, I don't want to, you know, generalize, but boys like to blow things up. You know, I, I have a few in my life that like, you know, boom, they like mm -hmm. to go boom. And so yeah. what is, you know, what would you say, you know, how do you channel that desire into something that's um, safe and productive? You know, like, that's my question. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a tough question because I, I, you know, it's like I channeled it in a way that was, I mean, it was very destructive, and you know, it wasn't at the times the safest thing, but it was always um, out of just pure excitement and you know, joy of science and joy of the explosive nature of this stuff. You know, it was never like I'm gonna go take out some property at school or I'm gonna, you know, hurt somebody. No, it was always just this fascination. And I think, you know, a lot of people who get into science are just generally fascinated by, you know, the reactions that happen, whether it's chemical or, you know, thermal, any kind of reaction. Um, it's, it's awesome. I don't know. It's, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> So my question is that whole reinterest, right? You talked about getting to Miss Mythbusters. Um, that really spurred on like this new, almost like reinterest in science in in a different way. It's it started spurred on that maker sort of mentality, that maker community, and even some of the STEM stuff that's going on now. Yeah, no, it, and it was it was one of those things where I feel like Mythbusters kind of had a. It was like a perfect storm because there wasn't really a lot of programs out there that were science based. And it was science in a way, you know, it was like teaching science in a way, and we, we never really set out to be a science show. We just set out to be a cool, entertaining show, <laughs> but it started evolving into like throwing more science, like we need more science to, to test these urban legends. And that hit this kind of like, it resonated in audiences because there was nothing really out there like it. And it was kind of like when the internet was kind of grown up now, like the internet before that wasn't that great. And it was like the early 2000. So it was like 2002 or 2003 that the internet really started taking off and all these stories started getting told online. So urban legends just kind of like blew up, you know, it was like all these, all these like, you know, folklore and tales in it. And it just kind of was like a perfect time for Mythbusters to happen. Plus it was also a time where like geeks kind of became like to be a geek was a cool thing. You know, it was like Comic-Con blew up and all these Marvel, you know, all these Marvel comic and DC comic movies were coming out and it was becoming mainstream to be a nerd or a geek. So it was just kind of like the, the perfect storm of the time. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it it like it took off. I'm so glad you brought up that term nerd and geek because uh, my six year old just asked me last night, you know, mom, what's a nerd? You know, am I like, am I a nerd? 
And I'm like, oh I'm like, first of all, I wish that's, you know, I wish, but no, I said, you know, nerds are really cool. I said, it is really cool. He's like, do they wear glasses? And I'm like, no, that's just what they show you on TV. Like nerds are the people doing the cool stuff out there. And I'm mm -hmm. like, so you want to be a nerd, you know? And, <laughs> and I, I like, I, you know, I like that it kind of gives a new spin to that. What used to be a, you know, a negative, had a negative connotation, you know, it's, it's yeah. really cool to be a nerd. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like you look at all the people who are, you know, programming and creating all these websites, like, you know, Facebook, mm -hmm. YouTube, you know, it's, it's like, they were all programming nerds, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. they, it's like that, that it was like people who were into computers or, you know, into studies, whatever. And it was like, oh, you're lame. And it's like, oh, guess what? Now, now they're running the world. Yes. Right. right. I, I think what happened too is the term nerd or geek. It became like whatever you were really focused on, like you could be a geek or a nerd on almost like any topic, you know, it sort of yeah. evolved over time. Right. It was originally, it was just like, oh, geeky book smart. Like that's what a nerd was. Right. You know, where you could sort of be a nerd on any given topic. It doesn't matter whether it's cool, uncool. You're sort of like nerding out on whatever that is or geeking out on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I totally. think it evolved the term too. And, 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 it, and it's crazy to see how like Comic-Con is just a good example because it's like, it was this kind of small event where once a year they would take over a hotel room or a couple of rooms, whatever, and people would trade their comic books. And, you know, until the pandemic, it was like one of the biggest events mm -hmm. of the year where, and it was like, not just San Diego, but you had them all over now, yeah, right? Yeah, I was trying and, to get tickets last year. Uh, and you years. see Hollywood, the mainstream Hollywood and all entertainment outlets are just dying to get in because they're spending so much money. So it's just, it's interesting to see how this kind of little subculture has just blown up into the mainstream. No pun intended there, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and we're talking about makers and science, you know, and I know, Brian, this is a big question you had too. Um, you know, what, so we, we deal a lot with the engineering community and the maker community. And so, you know, what would you say now, fast forwarding and going through all of these things that you've now been through on your journey, what would you say to the young makers out there, you know, who are kind of just tinkering and, you know, they don't know if they want to do something else with it, you know, what's your advice to them? I would say just, you know, get your hands dirty and, and make stuff. I mean, just do it. Like, you know, my dad, he had a wood shop in our garage growing up. And I remember, you know, being a little kid, having to get a stool to, you know, step up to use the bandsaw. And, you know, it used to freak my mom out because it's like, <laughs> all you need to do is like hit that saw blade and your, your finger's gone. But it was a good learning experience for me because it taught me how to respect the tool and be super careful. Um, and having my dad there to kind of watch over and make sure I was doing things properly. Um, gave me the skills that I still use today, you know, and, and uh, I feel like so many people nowadays are so worried about their kids getting hurt or, you know, which is smart, but, you know, it's like, it's a different time. Like the stuff, right. you know, I was doing as a kid nowadays, you'd be like, what, what, you can't let your kid do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would just, you know, say, try to supervise, but let your kids do, do some dangerous stuff. <laughs> 
Talk about safety, but you know, be also the creativity in it, right? Being creative and being innovative with it, you know, after you lay those foundations of being able to use the tools becomes really important, you know. In yeah. Discovery. Yeah. I mean, I, like I've worked on shows where I, you know, handed this guy a, a cordless drill and he's literally looking at it like, what do I do with it? Like he had no idea how to use it. And I was just like, whoa, there, there's like, we've lost, like there's a generation that's lost a skill set almost. And I'm not saying everybody, but it was just, it was like over the last few years working on certain shows where we're building stuff. It's like, I'm seeing little by little, it's like, oh, wow. Like the, you know, this, this younger generation, they didn't grow up using tools. They were playing video games or, you know, yeah. working online or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like my childhood, my dad be like, "Hey, we're re sheetrocking the ceiling. Hold this piece of sheetrock up." And that was like, <laughs> you're like, okay, and you sort of did it, right? <laughs> right. You know. Well, you talk. Go ahead, Brian. Ask your question because I think it's a perfect time to ask your favorite question that you. <laughs> Oh, about getting hurt? About getting about hurt? About getting hurt, yeah. Oh, so it was funny. I was, I was telling Nicolette about the time on Mythbusters where you took the bike and you tried to jump over the wagon. So yeah. I know when you got up, you're like, I'm okay, I'm okay. I'm like, that had to hurt. I'm like, that had to hurt. <laughs> it, that, that was like one of those um, don't leave your talent like too long to their own <laughs> devices. You know, we, they were setting up down the runway and then we were on the other end of the runway and I was just bored with the bike. And so, um, and I used to ride BMX bikes, but BMX bikes are a lot lighter than a, a cruiser. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I got this. I can bunny hop this, no problem. And uh, yeah, when that back tire caught, I went straight over the handlebars. But luckily I like, know how to fall for, I don't know how I know how to fall so well, maybe from gymnastics growing up, but I literally like roll, like hit my face, but in a way that I didn't smash my face, everyone thought I was going to like, you know, be on the ground out and they'd be calling the, the ambulance. But, um, I was in so much shock because the pain, I mean, the biggest pain was like my arm and my, my elbow, I hit pretty hard. But it was more just like, oh my God, I almost just face planted like horribly. And I was in so much shock that I was like, went over to the the little red wagon and I was worried about it because I had dented it. And I was like trying to, <laughs> and the camera crew was like, dude, like sit down for a second. Like you just took a major spill. Yeah, I, I, I have to say, with the wagon, I probably watched that clip, I'd say a hundred times story, I'm just saying. <laughs> Dude, if I had a nickel for every time they played that clip, oh my gosh. I'd be retired. <laughs> well, you know, and that's that kind of uh, leads to another thought I had. You know, have you ever, so out of all the crazy things that you've done, was there ever anything that was kind of like what you consider the stupidest thing you've ever come up with? Like, what was I thinking when I came up with this to not go as planned? I mean, there, you know, there's like a lot of dumb stuff I've done. I think the, um, it, it's usually like when we're in a room with the producers coming up with story ideas, I'll come up with these ideas thinking, oh, that's going to be awesome. And then it's like, okay, now you have to actually do it. For example, we were doing red flag to a bull. And I was like, you know, the, the, the myth is that when bulls see the color red, they get angry and they come charging. And I was like, what if 
we test that and I'll put on a red jumpsuit <laughs> and run out and see if the bull charges us. And we'll, we'll do, we'll test different colors. And they're like, oh yeah, we love that. And um, then there I am standing in the middle of a ring and there's a 1600 pound bull staring at me and he's, you know, they're like, don't move or he'll charge you. Uh, so it's those kinds of things where it's like, you come up with these ideas and it's like, oh, that's going to make great television. But then you're standing there and it's like, you have to do it. It's the worst. So, so here's a question then. What scares you, right? What's, what scares you? You, you know, know what scares me is like heights. You know, some people are like, what? You're scared really? of heights. But like standing, looking over the edge of a bridge or looking over the edge of a building, that like my hand, my palms, I can feel my hands sweating right now. I'm just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I'll do it, but I don't like doing it. Do you get that feeling in your stomach when I look over the edge? Like, I feel like my stomach kind of goes up a little bit. Like it flutters. There's like this flutter and, and, and it feels like I'm falling, but I'm not, you know, I'm yeah. still standing there. I'm like, Ooh, it's just, no. yeah, it's just, I don't know. I guess I've had too many dreams about falling, like right. falling off a yeah. cliff, falling off a building. So don't, you I don't like, like I don't like them. Yeah, your brain starts playing tricks on you. I think what happens when you look over that edge, you're like, oh, no, <laughs> no, no, no. Yes, yes. So, Maybe it is my brain playing tricks on me. Okay. So you talked about creating. Okay. And one of the things on, on The Great Escapist, you created the screw tank, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Where did that come from? I was oh like, like half Flintstones, half like, you know. This, it, this That show was, it was like, the best experience I've ever had working in television. Um, Richard Hammond, you know, he, he had called me up about three years ago and we have a mutual friend who's a producer who connected us and he called me. He was like, Hey, you know, I want to do a new kind of pop science show. You know, he, he did insomnia or he did, um, he did Brainiacs in the UK and then he, he did Top Gear and Grand Tour. And, and, you know, there's a lot of like science and engineering and technology in those shows. And he's like, you have the Mythbusters brand. I have these brands. Let, let's, you know, come together in a show and we'll do a new pop science show. Like there's really nothing out there right now. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like I, you tell me when I'll be there. And then over the three years, we would just pitch ideas back and forth. We would have these you know, conversations. And then he called me one time. He was like, I got the idea. And I was like, what is it? And he's like, we're going to survive. We get stuck on a desert island and we use our science and engineering skills to survive. And I'm all, Bear Grylls does it. Like, that's, he's, he's already done it. Like, why, why would we try that? He's like, no, no, no. We're going to, like, we're going to make getting food and shelter and water. That's going to be easy. We're going to knock that out in like the first five minutes of the show. He's all the real challenge is getting over the boredom of being stuck on this Island. So we're going to come up with ways to make the Island awesome. And so that's kind of where the whole idea stemmed from. And then, you know, as we started coming up with the ideas of what we're going to build, everything was motivated by what we needed while we were on the Island. So it's kind of a weird People, some people get it. Some people don't. They're like, I thought it was going to be like Mythbusters. I thought it was going to be like Top Gear, but it's, it, you can watch it in two ways. You can watch it strictly for the science because all the science is real. Mm -hmm. Like it, you can actually do these things right. or you can watch the, the goofy storyline of us being stuck on an island. 
<laughs> um, but I feel like everything that we build in it is motivated by what we need while we're on the island. Yeah, so the screw true. the screw tank was like it was this you know ridiculous. It was like we need to drag all the stuff from the boat back to the base right. camp. So we built this crazy you know rotating screw tank that you know. <laughs> It works much better in snow, by the way, or on ice. <laughs> in the sand. It, it would, you know, it would just dig these trenches and it put a lot of stress on the the motors and the gears. But but it worked, and it was, you know, it was the loudest, ridiculous machine we had on the island. Yeah, that was that was crazy. I was like, oh, I was like, oh my gosh, when when it, when that came out, I was like, holy. <laughs> Okay, I totally didn't expect a screw tank, right? And then, and then when Richard arms it, to, and he like he like puts you know armor on it and makes a tank like a like a real military <laughs> tank. I mean, it was just it, the, the show is so goofy, it's so ridiculous, but we we had so much fun. And when you were making fun of his helmet, calling him uh, what, what was it, Star Wars? You made some comment. Oh about yeah, it. Gold Leader One. <laughs> Yeah, World Leader One. I was laughing so hard. I was like, because it looked like a bobblehead. It looked like, um, oh man, space balls. Like you know, the Darth yeah, Vader like helmet head. Like that's what it looked like. But 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 Rogue Leader. I was laugh. I was laughing so hard at that part. Oh, but do you get scared? Like you're on this island, and here's my like. I, I just can't separate, like, I know, I'm sure there's a ton of prep, right? I mean, I'm sure nobody just dumps you on an island and leaves you there, right? right? I mean, but do you get scared? I mean, we talked about, like, what are you scared of? But, like, what is that? Can that be a scary, a frightening experience for you? Like, you don't really know. You mentioned, I mean, there's mention of crocodiles and sharks and, like, things like that. Like, you don't, you're on this island with nature. Do you get scared of what could happen? It there, there were a few moments. I mean, it, it was very much prepared. I mean, they, it wasn't right. like they just threw us on the island. Uh, you know, some people that were hoping. Well, some some people were hoping that they were just going to throw us on the island and let us fend for ourselves. <laughs> I'm like, what are, you guys, are you guys trying to get us killed? Um, but but there were moments where you know we were doing this one scene where we were on uh, one of our rafts and we jump off the raft out in the middle in the ocean and to film it, we were literally, you know, a couple of miles out to sea so that there was nothing around us. Mm -hmm. And while we we're in the water doing the scene, the captain of the boat jumps up and he's like, Oh crap. And he's pointing it to the water down, you know, under us. And I thought he was joking, like trying to scare us. But then I looked down beneath me, you know, just kind of looked down and I saw this giant shape swim underneath me oh my gosh and they're like it's a shark it's a shark and i was like oh crap and so i'm like scrambling to get back up on the boat um i literally looked like a, a porpoise i was like <laughs> i like was like out of the water on clinging to the side of the boat it turned out it was a, a whale shark so okay. you know, whale sharks don't eat humans they they're <laughs> feeders but I didn't know that. Like, right, when you're in there, you don't know. You see this giant yeah. shape floating under you, you're out of the water, that's it, you know? Yeah, so there were there were moments like that. And like they, they kept saying, be careful, don't go into the swamp, especially at night, because we were doing some night filming, because they're like, the crocodiles will get you and drag you into the water, so. All right, so heights, crocodiles, sharks, those can make the list of things you're, you're, you're yeah. Okay, so you don't like heights. There was one part in the show where you're on, I forgot what it was, that swing, and you're rotating oh, over. Yeah. 
Okay, so that must have been that must have been a tough yeah. one. If you don't like no, that's the and that's the other thing. You can't tell the producers what you're afraid of because then they will use that to make better television. They'll put you in those situations to make better TV. I guess. I'm afraid of bunnies and ice cream. Right? I mean, that's yeah. Right. Oh, well, they see, I, I like days at the. I don't like days at the spa. <laughs> Speaking of, yeah, I had a friend in the background. He is, so, is it a he or she? I don't know. So adorable. This puppy oh. in the background. <laughs> oh, this here. Come here, Roy Boy. This my little chihuahua. He's oh. so cute. He's so that's, good. That's Roy. Say hi. Say hi. All right. <laughs> like, I was sleeping. Leave me yeah, alone. Yeah. like, what are you doing, Dad? I'm just trying to relax. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so. oh gosh. <laughs> But speaking about pink bunnies, Tori, you had the pink bunny camera, right? It was a bunny. Oh, yeah, that got really weird. It was like when we first came up with that idea, it was like, what if we have like this dial, you know, like a diary cam that you can talk to family and friends at home and you're recording all what's going on and how Richard's losing his mind. But yeah, it got, it got weird at times with that little pink bunny. <laughs> People are like, what is this show about? <laughs> Well, I I enjoyed it. I actually binge watched. <laughs> well, are you are you planning on a? You know, Brian was asking about a, a second season. Is is there going to be a second season? We hope. I mean, God, it, like this was probably uh, it was so challenging but so exciting to to work with Richard because like I've been a fan of his. Richard Hammond is in my mind. He's like my hero. And I was a huge Top Gear fan. And then when they went over to Amazon, started doing Grand Tour, it was just like, oh, these guys, like, this is awesome. It's just getting better. So working with him, I didn't really know what that was going to be like because we we had kind of talked for years. And then um, before we filmed, I went over to London for a week and we kind of developed the show idea. <laughs> and then it wasn't until we got to the island that – they were like, okay, let's do a quick, we're going to do a camera test with you guys. We both looked at each other and we're like, what if we don't work well? Like, what if we don't work <laughs> together well? I mean, it was a really kind of a scary moment where we were both kind of like, oh my gosh, like this is like, there, we, we never did any tests. Like this was, this was like our first um, scene. And, uh, but the moment we started riffing, it was like, okay, we, like we just get along so well and like he's a friend for life and he's just the most generous giving person um, that we're just like, I, like, I just hope we get a season two. And, you know, we, we have some ideas for a season two. Um, somebody had said what if there was like this uh, giant prison similar to like uh, Escape from New York, you know, <laughs> where, where we, we get stuck in this, you know, huge prison and we have to figure our way out of that. But I don't know. I, I'm just hoping that we get a season two because we had too much fun. Yeah. Cause at the end I'm like, okay, what are they doing next? Like, where are they escaping from next? Right. <laughs> <laughs> like they escaped from the Island. So now where yeah. are they going to for season like, two? You know, they're really overcoming boredom. I mean, really they're not even escaping in essence. They're just, you know, kind of trying to have fun. So, I mean, that'd be cool to do it in a prison. How do you have fun in prison? Right. Like what can you do? In <laughs> Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if we want to answer some of those questions right yeah. now. I know, I know. Nice. <laughs> oh, that sounds fun, and it's nice that I mean that relationship. I, I, you know, I'm 
thinking of something totally scripted, right? But I was watching, I'm a real law and order junkie. And so I am mm -hmm. um, the one thing I do make time for. Um, but there is, you know, and I'm watching this interview with, uh, you know, Mariska Haggerty and, uh, and oh God, Stabler. Um, and so they're talking about how easy it was to come back and have that relationship. Like I got you, you got me on camera, right? So yeah. You know, it's important that, you know, you have that relationship, right? I mean, what's that 100%, like? and especially in what we do, because what we're not, you know, we're not acting, we're, our, we're playing ourselves. I mean, we're acting like we're stuck on an island, but we're being ourselves. <laughs> right. You know, and a lot, a lot of the stuff is improv and we're just, it's like, here are the bullet points. You need to get to this, you know, get this information out and do this. So it does feel a lot more personal. So, because you're being yourself with this other person that it does help if you have somebody that you can trust and you know, they have your back and they want the best for you and you want the best for them. It just makes it way better instead of like, you know, if you're trying to like upstage the other person or right. do something to undercut that other person, you know, it, it would be a disaster. I would think. That's awesome. And it seems yeah. like you've had some great people to work with over the years. So that's great. Yeah. But it was fun. The island was amazing, except there were these sand flies that would bite the heck out of you. Do you ever watch that show, um, Naked and Afraid? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I did. I used to. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, like when they first get there and like the next day they're just covered in bug bites and it's like their, their body is just like bumps all over. That's the, this island is an island where they film Naked and Afraid and these bugs are like they're tiny little gnats you can't you can barely even see them but they bite and they leave the biggest bumps and they itch oh like that was probably the worst part of being on this island is just getting eaten alive by these bugs but at least you had clothes on right i mean that's got to be a well, no because, because we had to have t-shirt like our costumes were t-shirts and shorts because we had been on a fishing trip so so we're basically exposed and these things are just eating us alive where the crew they're like covered head to toe they got nets over their faces um, so it, it added to the realism oh man well brian is there anything else you want to talk to Tori about today no. No, I, I definitely, I definitely want to be the first to know though when you guys do get a season two though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then, uh, so right now we just started. Um, I just started a new show, Motor Mythbusters. Oh. So, um, we're doing Motor Trend is doing a new version of Mythbusters. So it's basically all car related myths. Okay. Um, and so I have two new hosts. Um, and uh, we're just, we just started, we, we've been filming for a month and we're just creating all kinds of, you know, cars to test different myths. Uh, so it's, it's fun. It's, it's like an, a world I'm familiar with the Mythbusters world, but like the gearhead car world, I'm like, I've always been a car enthusiast, but now I'm like getting my hands dirty and like figuring out how to, you know, change brakes, fix engines. It's it's been real, really awesome. So it's practical in a sense too. I mean, what kind of what kind of myths? I know nothing about cars. So what what kind of myth? Like for example, is we're, we're we're kind of doing a, a little of both. Like we're looking at movies or television or you know stories that we heard where it's like, can a car do this or would that be possible? Okay. Um, then we're looking at like, what's the best you know coolant you could put in a radiator? You know, is it water? Could you use urine? 
Could you use your crew? You know, so 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 we're looking at things that people could do on their own to make their cars run better or perform better, and then we're looking at ridiculous things <laughs> to test with cars. Like for example, we're doing uh, we're looking at the casino. Remember the, in the movie Casino when the car blows up, yes, and and the in uh, the guy survives because he says there's yeah. an extra steel plate under the Cadillac. So we're gonna look at that one. Um, so we're just doing a bunch of Bunch of ridiculous uh, car myths. Please don't be the guy in the car, though, Tori. Please, I yes. beg you. <laughs> I will not be the guy in the car. That's good advice. We'll we'll stick Buster in there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We do want to see a lot of cars blow up, though. You know? When will when will the show be coming out? My guess is probably going to be towards the end of the year. Um, just like I said, because we just started filming, and we'll probably film for the next four months. Okay. And where can we watch it? Uh, Motor Trend. Awesome. So the motor, you can get the Motor Trend app or Motor Trend Network. You'll definitely be tuning in. Yes. Awesome. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much, Tori. We yeah. really appreciate it. We had, we had a lot of fun with you today. Thank you for answering our crazy questions. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Awesome. Good to see you guys. Take care.